Her flesh yearned downward, resting in rolls at her belly and hips, hanging in sleepy flaps from her upper arms. Her legs were short and stick-like, and her toenails, poking through her toeless slippers, were horned and yellow. Her eyes were the eyes of two people. One eye was brown, alert, surrounded by crinkles. The other was larger and milky as the moon. Once she had chosen her dress for the day, she had four. She repaired to the bathroom for a lengthy session at the sink and mirror. She inserted her teeth. She combed her curly black wiglet and anchored it to her own wisps with many bobby pins. She put on her face. When she emerged, all this could take an hour or more, she had a vermilion mouth, stately pink circles on her cheeks, new eyebrows, the hair, and rhinestones on her wrinkled earlobes. Often, at this point, she wore the concentrated, gathered look of a performer waiting to go on. The rest of the job was mostly a matter of redistribution. The armor-like girdle was pulled upward, pushing flesh before it, until it was braced in place around her midsection. Now she had a bosomy pigeon silhouette. Stockings and shoes— she was gasping a little by now, brassiere, slip, and finally a print dress with a fluff of lace jumping from its throat. Sparkly bracelets and a good dose of Chanel number no. 19. Then she had to sit a while dabbing beads of sweat from her upper lip with a small linen handkerchief. It would be late morning, perhaps noon. Amelia lived in a small house halfway up a long, shallow hill in a little town called Shelby in northern Montana. Her house was two homesteaders' shacks that had been moved to town back in the twenties, then added to. It had a porch now, and a room off the kitchen that doubled as a laundry room and music studio. The yard was bare of trees or shrubbery, and the grass was sparse and dry. A big blue Buick, almost thirty years old, waited in the driveway. Amelia's first plan today was to drive the Buick seven blocks down the long hill to the post office, where she occasionally received something with her name on it from the Baha'is or the government, or every month or so from her friend in the Montana State Prison. That's when people in Shelby saw Amelia, when she drove her huge blue car to the post office or the grocery store. She wore a hat with a small veil attached to it that shaded her eyes, and she drove in fits and starts. Almost everyone knew her. Some had taken piano or voice lessons from her when they were growing up. More recently, of course, there had been the incident with the convict on the run. He smelled like outdoor smoke, like a campfire, and that's how she knew he was there. Even before the cupboard squeaked and set her heart knocking so furiously it pinned her to the bed, smoke first, campfire smoke on dirty clothes, and then the sound of drawers sliding open. These are my last moments, she thought, amazed. The drawers closed. Bold feet moved across the floor toward her bedroom, then stopped. They moved away. Why? And out the back door, and sweat broke through all her pores at once, drenching her. Twenty minutes later, smoke poured from the sagging storage shed behind her house, and by the time the fire truck got there, two flames were licking out of the roof. 
Amelia clutched her yellow bathrobe and watched the shed until she realized that half a dozen neighbors, including her brother Jerry, were staring at her. She was more shocking in her unconstructed state than the fire was, or the fact of a criminal from the state prison who had left a burning cigarette or something more deliberate in her shed than crept through her house opening drawers. The day after the fire, she sat at her kitchen table, wigleted, toothed, dressed, made up, and picked through a large box of charred and soggy letters, newspaper clippings, narrow leather diaries, a few photographs. The box was Jerry's, and it had been in the shed, forgotten, for years. Some of the letters were in her own handwriting, her handwriting of half a century earlier. She studied it, trying to remember a time when she had lived somewhere else. On her way to the post office, she stopped at Jerry's to see if he wanted anything mailed. He sat watching the television news with T.T.